All right, welcome back. So these are the notes for exam four, which is the final exam. Continuing along with sexually transmitted diseases, STDs, or often called sexually transmitted infections, STIs. Now, I'm not gonna tell you how not to get STDs. I think you probably know condom use is very important. Uh, South Carolina has some of the highest rates of STDs in the country, so just keep that in mind. I don't know how y'all do it. I don't know how you basically hook up with somebody. Do you show them your recent, you know, blood test results? <laughs> or you just have faith? I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. The number one most common sexually transmitted disease, a lot of people don't know much about, chlamydia caused by chlamydia trachomatis bacteria. So pay attention to whether these are bacteria, proteists, fungus, whatever. So this is intracellular bacteria. These are the first ones we've seen this semester. They live inside the host cells. So bacteria living inside your cells. Now, one of the things we're gonna see with a lot of these is that men get off a lot easier than women. You get that joke? What I mean is men have mild or no symptoms and women have more severe infections. But um tis. All right, so they get off easier. Okay, so men might have pus discharge from the penis. That's called purulent discharge. So I wonder if this would be a pussy penis. There's also painful urination, which we learned is dysuria. So it burns when you pee. In women, chlamydia causes a more severe infection. There's purulent discharge, pus, dysuria, which is painful urination. Now we have all these itises. Itis means infection or inflammation of. So cervicitis, infection of the cervix. If any of you don't know what a cervix is, you all gotta catch up on your anatomy before you get into nursing. The cervix is the opening between the vagina and the uterus. Okay, so you could have that all inflamed and infected. You could have urethritis, infection of the urethra. No, I'm not talking about urethra, Franklin. I'm talking about urethra, yeah, yours, um, could basically get infected by chlamydia. Selpingitis, infection of the fallopian tubes. So with all these things being infected and inflamed, you could have major problems such as infertility. So you could get scar tissue after the inflammation goes away and the scar tissue, everything's stuck together and basically you can't get pregnant. You could get pelvic inflammatory disease, PID, that as its name implies, your whole pelvic area, your abdomen just shooting pain and you could have life-threatening conditions in the worst case. Okay, then there's the possibility of ectopic pregnancy. That's when you have a fertilized egg outside of the uterus. So you're like, how does that happen? Well, imagine that the ovary sheds an egg and the woman has been inseminated and the sperm goes up and basically fertilizes the egg, but it doesn't actually adhere to the uterus. So it could actually, there's a gap. Did you know there's a gap between the ovary and the fallopian tube? So that little fertilized egg could actually make it out into the abdomen that is not going to survive. And no, you cannot transplant it into the uterus. 
This is one of those situations where you have to ask yourself about abortion for medical reasons. So imagine that the, that the woman has an ectopic pregnancy with pelvic inflammatory disease, and she wants an abortion to get in there and, you know, take away the fertilized egg. Tragic, but that is not going to develop into a baby, and it could really risk the mother's health. So abortion aside, um, you can see that women have much more severe infections. The good news is, if you have any of these symptoms and signs, go early to the doctor and they can give you antibiotics and it'll clear it right up. I guarantee. We don't see a lot of resistance as far as antibiotic resistance, except gonorrhea. We're starting to see antibiotic resistant gonorrhea. Rare, but probably become more common. Okay, number two most common sexually transmitted disease, drumroll, syphilis, caused by, you know this by now, treponema pallidum, bacteria. There's three stages. The primary stage, this is open sores or lesions on the genitals called chancres. Now, some people say cankers, but don't confuse that with a canker sore, which is on your mouth. Technically, this is the right pronunciation, shonker. So you don't want to have a shocker by getting syphilis characterized by shonkers. So you know what? Turn the lights on before you have sex. And take your cell phone. Turn the flashlight on. Look down there. See if there's any open sores. If there are, stay away, honestly. All right, secondary stage, a rash, a flat red rash anywhere on the body. Like it can be on the back of your hand. You wouldn't think you have syphilis if you have a rash on the body, but this gets around all through your body. Remember, these are the corkscrew shaped bacteria spinning and whirling around, going through all of your body parts. Ugh. Finally, the tertiary stage. We're talking like 10 years. Okay, so if you don't get treatment, most people are going to get treatment before 10 or 20 or more years. You can get these masses, these bumps, growths on your skin, on your organs, on the bones. Those are called gummas. They're kind of gummy, big, floppy growths. That's possibly life-threatening, like if it was on your heart. But look at neurosyphilis. That affects your brain. You can have dementia. Sorry, that's a misspelling. It says dementia. <laughs> dementia, which is, you know, acting crazy. Seizures. Psychosis. Now, one thing you can look for in that late stage is Argyle Robertson's pupil. Now, I call it prostitute's eye. That was the original term, but now we're politically correct. Nobody wants to hear somebody called, you know, a prostitute, even if they are. But <laughs> prostitute's eye, these are prostitutes that are at the tertiary stage of syphilis, like back in the 1800s. The pupil response to bright light is lost. That's because it's affecting your brain. And you know that if you damage the brain, the pupil will not shrink down in bright light. So you remember Jurassic Park, T-Rex, and uh, they shine the light in its eye and it goes, Wee! and the little pupil respond to bright light. Well, if you have neurosyphilis and syphilis has gotten to your brain, you'll have that same thing. But this is the condition called Argyle Robertson's pupil. All right, the next one, number three, gonorrhea. Caused by Neisseria gonorrhoeae, bacteria again. In men, bastards, 
mild or no symptoms, similar to chlamydia. That's just not fair. In women, more severe infection, similar to chlamydia. Now, here's what we were talking about a little earlier in the semester. You can get some of these sexually transmitted bacteria in different parts of your body. So, for example, let's say you have gonorrhea and it spreads to the heart. That causes a disease called endocarditis. You would never think that's from having sex, you know? You can get it in your eyes, and that's called ophthalmia. How do you get gonorrhea in your eyes? Well, probably some bodily fluids got in there. I'll let you use your imagination on that one, too. What about in your throat? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, that can cause pharyngitis. So imagine you have a sore throat, and it's all inflamed and infected, and you go in, and they're like, um, yeah, that is gonorrhea. And you're like, what? All right, it'd be kind of interesting if, you know, you have a 54-year-old man who's married to a woman comes to the hospital with gonorrheal pharyngitis, right? You're going to be the nurse telling him the news? Be like, how did that get in there? Following up on that, you can get it around the anus. That's called proctitis. So you see, oral sex, anal sex, not exactly safe, really. I mean, you're not going to get pregnant, but... Okay, it can lead to the brain infection called encephalitis, and the lining of the brain, it's like a membrane around it, is called meninges, so you can get meningitis. All right, and then joints, swollen joints, right? It was just 420, April 20th. I'm sure there were a bunch of swollen joints on that day. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, gonorrheal arthritis. That is, the gonorrhea bacteria cause joint infections. Again, you can go and get antibiotics for gonorrhea. Then we get to herpes. Unlike love, herpes lasts forever. We're talking about genital herpes caused by the HSV2 virus. Uh, there's a latent phase and that lytic cycle phase, if you remember from our discussion of viruses. So this is a virus. There's no treatment for it that eliminates it from your body, but we did talk about treatments that reduce how frequently you have an outbreak, those open sores. So we're talking about oral, oral herpes um, causes open sores around your mouth, and genital herpes causes open sores on or around the genitals. I've seen pictures trust me, um, where the open sores are like down on your thigh, okay? So you think a condom's going to help. Uh, it will help, but again, look, look, people, do it with the lights on. If you have lesions on or around your genitals, yeah, I'm not sure I would want to get busy with that. Um, also here, point out that oral herpes can be in the genital region, and genital herpes can be in the oral region. Okay, moving on, we haven't talked too much about genital warts, but you remember human papillomavirus causes um, basically papilloma, which is wart-like growth. So genital warts are caused by the human papillomavirus, only instead of it being cervical cancer, you're more likely to see genital warts um, on the genital region. They're different strains, but before I do that, let's say it can be treated with cryosurgery. You can freeze off those warty growths with liquid nitrogen. Excision. 
you can get them cut off. Electrocautery, you can burn it off with basically electricity. And then laser treatment, you can burn off with laser light. That may or may not be complete success because you've got to make sure you get all of the infected cells, so you might have it come back. So there's different strains of HPV, human papillomavirus. Strains 6 and 11 are linked to genital warts. Strains 16, 18, 31, and 45 are linked to cervical cancer. All right, HPV viruses. They can be cleared from the body naturally over time in some cases. So let's say you get HPV. Even before you have cervical cancer or genital warts, your body might actually get rid of it. Um, and if you do get cervical cancer, remember that there's very good treatments. Early detection is key, so get your pap smears, ladies. And, you know, safe sex again. Okay, viral hepatitis. How could viral hepatitis, okay, the liver, how could that be sexually transmitted? Well, the hepatitis viruses, hep A, hep B, hep C, remember, uh, some of those are blood, and some of them are bodily fluid, and some of them are fecal. So all of those, think about what I just said, can actually be part of sex. I know kind of gross to think about fecal activity in the bedroom, but you could get fecal oral route transmission. Um, as far as blood, you know, there are cases in which, let's say you don't have a lot of lubrication going on, and you could have small microscopic tears in the sensitive genital region, so you could have blood-to-blood -blood transmission. Um, yeah, so hepatitis, this liver damage, it's viral, and yet it could be sexually transmitted. Okay, so you have somebody who comes in with jaundice, they might be an alcoholic. They might be a drug addict. They might have gotten a sexual transmission of hepatitis viruses. Yeah. Okay, vaginitis, also called vaginosis, is infection of the vagina. We've already talked about candida albicans, the fungus. That's a yeast infection. All of these can be sexually transmitted. Think about it. Let's say a heterosexual coupling. The woman has it. The guy doesn't. They do it. And now he carries it. Even if he doesn't have raging infection, he can now pass it to another partner. Okay, candida albicans is the fungus that could be sexually transmitted. There's bacteria, Gardnerella vaginalis. This causes BV. Bacterial vaginitis can be sexually transmitted. Finally, trichomonas, trichomonas, vaginalis, that protease can be sexually transmitted. Man, so yeah, look at we got fungi, bacteria, protease, all these things living in your naughty bits. Uh, I'm saying just be safe out there, people. Um, most of those have treatments. Uh, there are some resistant strains, but you can get antifungal drugs like Monostat for the yeast infection. You can get antibiotics for the bacterial infection, and you can get other drugs uh, for the trichomonas infection. I know you're having fun, right? Finally, number eight, AIDS. Just remember that's autoimmune deficiency syndrome, and it's caused by the HIV virus, which is human immunodeficiency virus. Now, we know it can be transmitted by blood. You know that. You know it can be transmitted by semen. You know that. 
Did you know it can be transmitted through vaginal secretions? Okay, what about anal or rectal mucus? Well, you know, there's a reason why men having anal sex with other men is one of the highest risk behaviors for AIDS, and that is because not only is the HIV virus concentrated in the anal and rectal area, but um, especially uncircumcised men, they actually have a high concentration of HIV virus uh, around the head of the penis. So you could imagine taking two hot spots, so to speak, and putting them together. That is high risk in terms of uh, risk of acquiring AIDS. Now, the last one might surprise you, breast milk. Yeah, I know. So let's say that you're pregnant and you have HIV. Okay, tell your doctor, obviously, you need to take precautions. They will probably do cesarean section, C-section, because coming through the vagina, you could actually transmit the virus um, because there's potentially going to be bleeding, etc. But let's say that the baby is born HIV negative. They don't have HIV. You would not want to breastfeed because breast milk contains the virus. Okay, this segues to the immune system. So we'll end by saying HIV kills immune system cells. Specifically, they're called T cells. We're going to get to that in the next lecture. So the clinical definition of AIDS is when the CD4 T cell count, that's a special type of T cell, is less than 200 of those cells per microliter of blood. Usually the onset of that is about eight years after initial, you know, uh, infection by HIV. So you got, you know, about a decade where your immune system's getting worse and worse and worse. And then finally, when it hits 200 cells per microliter of blood, your immune system is considered shot. I mean, you're going to die from anything at that point. You could die from bacterial pneumonia. You could die from a yeast infection. You can die from any infection um, at that point because your immune system cannot fight. So those CD4 T cells will be discussed in the next section on the immune system. I think the sexually transmitted stuff is going to be easy for you to study and remember, not just because you're interested, because you have a vested interest in this, but it's fairly easy to study. So I'll do another lecture on the immune system after this. In the meantime, uh, keep it in your pants or, you know, not. <laughs> anyway, have fun, but be safe. Peace out.